This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download with uh, co-host Tyler Overstreet. Hello. Um, we got a pretty beefed up show today. We do. Um, we're going to talk about uh, top 10 drivers. Yes, that, uh, you this can, is highly might, anticipated, I believe. That you might can pull for next year. A um, couple other things. Let's get to it. We're going to talk about uh, the Dover recap right away. We finished 11th. Uh, tough race. So uh, where do we start? Basically, uh, been getting a lot of uh, media uh, mentions about our work in the simulator. Um, and uh, we did again this particular week, which makes me a little nervous because if we don't run well, then people are going to go, don't. You know, quit messing with that simulator, or that didn't help very much. But uh, I uh, uh, felt pretty confident going into the weekend. We did go work on uh, a lot of our setup stuff. I look at the simulator basically as, is it a perfect tool? No, it's still sort of in development. And um, But it's basically like uh, you can go simulate practice. We don't get much practice on the racetrack, a lot of time to do what we want to do. We have a long, long list of things that we want to accomplish, and we can't get to all that stuff. You want to find out, I guess, which ones you you feel confident that we're, will work, and uh, there's some things on that list that might not work. Do you want to waste p- valuable practice time making that change in the garage and going on the track to try it to find out it doesn't work and to have to take it all back out of the car? That really, you know, that's, a, that's 15, 20 minutes of practice time gone. So, the the reason why I like the sim or talk about the sim here in the last couple of weeks is uh, we go in there and we can shorten that list up. We can um, go into Friday's practice with a lot more confidence that the changes we're going to make are going to be uh, able to affect the car how we want them to. And uh, so that's what's great about the sim. Anyways, we went uh, into practice. All the things that we had tried in the sim seemed to be working. To improve the car, we made the car better throughout Friday. We made the car better throughout uh, practices Saturday as well. And then when the race started, uh, the car wasn't good at all. We made some changes the night before the race in anticipation of of the car or the track being a particular way, and it was a miss. Uh, it took us about probably 300 laps really to get it uh, driving a little bit better, but the car had an inherent issue all day long that never we could never cure we would take off fine on sticker tires one of the best cars i thought top five car for sure we'd run about five to maybe ten laps and then the the, the, all four corners of the car would really start bouncing like a basketball felt like i was being 
you know, felt like all four corners of the car were being dribbled around the track by Steph Curry. Um, and it was just really, when that's happening, you can't get a hold of the racetrack. You're just chasing the car all over the place. And that would get worse and worse. Actually, Ryan Newman texted me Monday morning and asked me if I was still loose in. <laughs> um, so we struggled with being free on entry, getting over the hill, going under that uh, crossway, or going under whatever that thing is, the bridge into turn three. Uh, as soon as we go under that bridge, the car was free at that point, all the way down into landing, just chasing the back of the car. And uh, tight from that point on around the, to the exit of the corner. So fighting a lot of issues all day long. We um, had a caution on lap 330 during the green flag pit stops where we were staying out. We were actually 19th before the cycle began. We had uh, Our car did not do well when we cycled tires, and nobody had enough tires to keep putting on stickers every time the caution came out. Are you um, on that? People running out of tires. Are you cool with the limit they put on it? We can talk year? about that. Um, you know, I, they just took away one set of tires. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm all right with it. If our car doesn't cycle, uh, doesn't have a hard time cycling on tires, or if I have to stay out uh, and the car still drives okay, well, it's, it's no big deal. Um, but our car didn't didn't handle the cycles very well. We were in 19th when this uh, particular a uh, series of uh, green flag pit stops started. Greg said our uh, our our uh, strategy was to stay out and hope to get a caution, which we did. That gave us a great track position. Uh, we were running sixth when David Reagan cut a tire with three laps remaining in the race. So that set up a green-white checkered. So whenever a caution like that, you guys were pretty much cruising. You were going to finish sixth. You were. Don't say that now. Don't say we were cruising. People think you're just out there riding around to finish well, six. You're going to give us all. You're going to give all the drivers a bad, okay, a bad rep. You were not in position to pass somebody in front of you, and you were not in position to be passed. Yeah. So you were probably going to finish six. You weren't cruising. You were doing all you could do. <laughs> um, when that caution comes out, are you like, hell yeah, maybe I'll finish. Maybe I can get fourth or fifth. Or are you like, oh crap? Now these guys behind me are going to be up my ass. It depends on how the how the day's been going. If I had been running third all day long, I'm thinking, man, this is a chance for me to get back to third. Uh, if I'd been running 15th to 20th all day long, which I had been, this was this was probably not something I was looking forward to. We um, decided to come down pit road. Being in sixth place, that's really kind of a 50-50 decision there to stay out or to pit. I think uh, you know if you're on the front row. You had to stay out, as they did. But anybody starting in uh, third would be a terrible place to restart on old tires. Um, fourth would be okay. I think you would have restarted seventh. If I was sixth when the caution come out, how I know, would but, I lose well, a position? Well, you, after you pitted, sorry. <laughs> after you pitted, if you had not sped. You got a hold of me. You got, a, you got, a, you got ahead of me here. Sorry. Um, so we come down pit road. To take two tires, which I think is a decent call. No big deal. Um, and then I come out of my box, and I, when I came out of the box in first gear, trying to get out of the box as fast as I can, once I went to second gear, where we actually read pit road speed with the lights on the dash, I was over the speed limit. So we had to slow down really quickly, but that wasn't enough. 
We got busted for speeding. That put us back in 16th position for that next restart, which uh, uh, was very, very disappointing. And unfortunately for a lot of guys, there was a big wreck on the last lap, and we gained a few spots that way to finish 11th, which took a little bit of the sting out from the speeding penalty. But for the for the to sum up the event, the race started. The car wasn't good. I nearly came unglued on the radio and was a jerk all day long, per my uh, lovely wife's. I concur with her uh, assessment. Assessment, yeah. And so I was a mouthy jerk all day, and um, but it was hot, and we talked nah, about. No, it wasn't hot. I was oh. comfortable. Oh, yeah. I was just I was trying to help bad, you. <laughs> oh no, I was just in a bad mood, and then I screwed up the whole thing at the end by speeding. But um, we came out of there with an eleventh place finish, and uh, me and Greg talked at after the race quite a bit about what we can do coming back to Dover because we certainly. Uh, we didn't, we couldn't, we can't replicate that basketball dribble bouncing thing in practice. We just can't. It doesn't happen on Friday or Saturday. It only happens when the track gets an, un it gets a really large amount of rubber laid down. So it's hard to figure out how to fix that, um, with the adjustments that we only have in the race. Talking to other drivers, are they, they have the same feedback? A lot of drivers did discuss this issue more than we typically do the track is concrete it uh it's kind of has it has joints in it to allow the concrete to kind of heat and cool throughout the year right so it doesn't crack and bust apart and these joints kind of bow up like an old deck uh so and those joints are kind of every 10 feet i guess so when you're dri riding around the track even under pace laps it's like driving over continuous railroad tracks is it just as it, bad it, at bristol it, no oh but uh dover hasn't you know dover was uh dover's uh, been like 20 couple 22 23 years yeah since they it's rough as hell i don't really like it i don't i mean i'm not they're never they're not it's not like you know anything i say is gonna make a difference i just personally do not like the surface i love the shape, configuration, banking, if it were asphalt, it may likely be one of my favorite tracks. It'd be I just awesome. Not, yeah, it would. It's, I'm just not a fan of the concrete. Just personal preference. So you only have one more race there. One final event. Yeah, I don't think I'll be signing up for any Xfinity races <laughs> there going forward next year so or the we'll year after that. Check that one off the list. <laughs> so Unless we figure out how to get this bouncing fixed. Now then. You think that, that would out. be enough incentive? If I can run, like I'll tell you what, I will, if I run in the top five at the last Dover race, I will put it on at the top of the list for Xfinity races next year. Really? Why not? I'm hoping that that kind of karma yeah, gets maybe. me in top five. Plus that Dover Xfinity race is pretty short. If I'm, 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 I'm a believer in making those kind of personal bets to, to ensure a top five finish. All right. Yeah. So, so I guess I'm saying if I I would run an Xfinity race next year if I can get a top five this year. Okay. Does so that make so, any sense? Yes. Something that happened over the weekend it didn't re it didn't affect us at all. But um, Kyle Busch in the Cup race and then Chase Briscoe in the Truck race. Yep. They lost wheels, like at, immediately after leaving pit road. Yep. 
Um, the NASCAR rule states that the crew chief, tire changer, and tire carrier will be suspended four races in the event of losing a wheel due to improper installation. But it also notes that safety violations would be handled on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. So Scott Miller, who is NASCAR's senior vice president of competition, said it's possible that they'll look at the intent of whether or not the, the tire coming off was because of them intentionally doing it. Um, but what do you think? So that's kind of giving them some wiggle room where they might not enforce that penalty that they put in their rule book. Well, okay. So here's the, uh, here's the decision here. I guess here's the situation you have to think about. Um, obviously this wasn't a, they put the rule in place to keep guys from only using, uh, putting three lugs on or four lugs on. Uh, to be a you know because any lug that you don't put on the wheel is about a second on the pit stop faster. So uh, they're obviously um, you got to keep something in place to keep that part of the rule, keep that kind of that deterrent from guys doing that. But I don't think you penalize guys for their tires coming off when they pull off pit road. I agree with that, especially. I think that NASCAR. I mean, I trust Scott Miller and these guys to know that this guy wasn't trying right. to uh, to only put on two or three, four, uh, two or three or four lugs to speed up his pit stop. He just made such a big mistake that the damn tire came off as he pulled off pit road. That's obviously just a mistake. They, that's enough penalty. That's enough penalty personally. Right. They that's just you know they stubbed their own toe enough. I think to you don't have to. I think I trust Scott enough to know when someone is trying to take advantage of the rule or trying to take advantage of a situation uh, for them to make a judgment call. This is a judgment call. I wouldn't have penal. I would not going forward penalize drivers that got you know like Kyle and Chase. I wouldn't penalize teams uh, for the wheel coming off as they exit pit road. But if they go out there and, you know, what if they go out there and it's just a loose wheel or they improperly, you know, put the wheel on the car? Maybe like we had a lug behind the wheel at Charlotte. Say I don't realize that or we don't know it and we go out there and the wheel's loose and it comes off after five laps. Yeah. Now, do you penalize that guy? I think so. I think once the green flag falls, that sort of shuts the door on your opportunity to clean this up yourself. Yeah, because that would be kind of what negligence. Yeah, to, I just, just think that the that's just that, a way to do it. I yeah. think you can say once a green flag falls, then it's then if the wheel if the wheel comes off under green flag, yeah, it's your ass. But if it comes off pulling off pit road, it's a mistake on your part. Come back in, fix yeah, it. Because Kyle's, especially for Kyle, because he had led like the first twenty yeah. laps, he had the pole. And he never got the lead again. He got back in the top ten, but that ultimately probably spoiled his day. Um, it didn't help things. It, and it was more that, of a communication who issue. Who knows how much the damage to the car hurt his arrow. Um, so that's how I would do it. I, I you know, And I, I'm sure NASCAR is going to make some adjustments here. Because that's, obviously they weren't trying to do anything right. funny. you know. So let, it, let them roll. But I think once the green flag comes out and your wheel comes off, that's just a potentially dangerous situation anyway, so you got to have deterrence for for that. Right. 
So another thing that you were you were getting hit up this weekend on Twitter has probably been since you announced your retirement is fans looking for a new driver to cheer for. Yeah. And we were very excited to talk about this. <laughs> we put together a list. We debated over this. We added names, removed names, and we came up with our list of drivers. And now we're going to tell you who and why you should cheer for them. Yep. So starting in 2018. Yeah. So really, um, you know, who are we to tell you guys who you want to pull for? But some fans were like, "Hey, what do I do?" And so here's your list. This is really, I mean, anybody in the this isn't to single anybody out. And I don't want anybody to be butt hurt. They didn't make the list. Uh, we just kind of went through it quickly to put a, throw a couple drivers on there. We're going to start out in no particular order. Alphabetical order. Oh, is it? Yeah, by last name. By last name, alphabetical order. Yes. Okay. Ryan Blaney. So Ryan Blaney, you would you would pull for Ryan Blaney? Why? Oh, I like Ryan. He's running good. He's got a really good personality. I don't know that most people know that. He's doing a lot of media stuff with NASCAR to get himself out there, which I like because not everyone is doing that stuff. Um, and if you fought, and also he's from a racing family, so I think that's kind of cool. Yep. Ryan Blaney, for me, if you're a fan of social media, you follow racing through social media, Ryan Blaney's going to be your guy. He's going to give you the most content. Uh, he's going to run good. And uh, he said he's, he's going to be a guy that you – can uh, get a lot. You're just going to be able to get a lot of content from him, either on social media. Uh, he's going to go on the late shows. He's going to he's going to be a guy that'll say yes to all those things. So if you like if you like seeing your driver here and there doing things, and him being interactive, uh, social, that's your guy. Austin Dillon. So he, I mean, he comes from a racing family too. He's run well. He's won, He's come up the NASCAR ladder. Won a truck championship, won an Xfinity championship. He just won the 600. Uh, plus, obviously, he's driving the three car. So, I think that's a natural thing for people to cling to. Yeah, I like everything you said. He drives the number three car. Uh, bit of a goofball. Good outgoing attitude. Outdoorsman. Um, bit of a cowboy. Uh, so, he has, he has a reputation, uh, I think, you know, maybe appeals to uh, some of the core NASCAR fans or some of the older older NASCAR fans. Obviously, drives for a really established old team Fa with a great reputation. Family team. Yep. So, RCR, number three, he's kind of uh, helping. If you if you really, uh, if you like the fact that, uh, you know, if you like the fact of a healthy Richard Childress racing, he's going to be part of that. Yep. Chase Elliott. He's got, I think, the most potential. I don't think anybody else. Um, you think Chase Elliott has the most potential talent-wise? Yes. Um, most talent. This is the most talented driver on the list. Yes. Or in, uh, in stock cars, potentially the most talented. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, Wait, are we all? Are they all going to be driving different cars? Indy cars, F1. Well, we have the other guy. We have Kyle Larson. Is coming this a up. list of F1 and Indy car? Yeah, I don't think Chase is going to <laughs> F1 anytime soon. And I don't think Chase is going to run Indy 500s or anything They're like that. They're all in stock cars, I guess is my point. Yes. Um, Chase Elliott. Yes. Why Plus, do you like Chase? Uh, I mean, he seems like a modern day, or like today's version of you. Kind really? of coming into 
he's got the built-in fan base. You're going to light up social media with that comment. He's got the built-in fan base because of his dad and that he took over the 24. So now, a lot of similarities. Yes. So now he's got to do his part to take it to yeah. the next level. Yeah, I agree. I like Chase Elliott. Uh, he has the last name. He has the talent. Very similar situation. Uh, carrying on a legacy. Um, I think his popularity is going to just it's it's already pretty bi- pretty big and it's just going to continue to get bigger, especially once he starts clicking off some wins. He's with HMS and a great team. And I saw they threw up a stat the other day. He's on like fourteen top fives and like fifty four starts or something like that, which that's pretty good. He's like one out of every three or four, so yep. he's running up front. He's fast, so he's going to be around for a long time. Eric Jones. He's also very fast. He's, uh, I guess he would be Kyle Busch's protege. Is he Kyle Busch 2.0? Um, I don't know that he's quite as uh, in your face with the disappointment when he loses. <laughs> um, but, he, I mean, he runs a lot of Xfinity races. Um, he's fast immediately in cup. So, yeah. he's shown, and I would... Anticipate eventually he'll go to Gibbs. He's aligned with Gibbs. Yeah, he runs it. their Xfinity stuff. So yeah. he's going to be in good cars for a long time. So he's going to be a guy that's running up front for the next 15, 20 years. All right, Eric Jones, I agree. Super fast. Raw speed. Uh, he's got it. Great talent. Um, he doesn't. He either is kind of shies away from, uh, you know, really – putting himself out there there's not been a lot of opportunity i guess or i haven't seen a lot of his personality i've I've had some interaction with him on twitter but as far as just like hearing him in interviews and hearing him talk and talk you know discuss things on tv or on radio or what have you there's not a lot of that out there that i've seen he is going to be part of the broadcast this weekend at the pocono race for the truck series no xfinity race race, i mean so He's going to be part of the live broadcast. They're doing all drivers broadcast. So we'll all get to see a little bit of his personality in that particular uh, broadcast, which will be uh, interesting because I think he probably has a great personality. Yeah. And, I mean, he's wearing – he's got this mullet. Yeah. So he, he kind of knows how to pay, you know, pick on himself and, and, and you know, doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, I've seen, you know, I think he has a great personality. I would – encourage him to show that more um but you do also when i'm around him at the racetrack you do see a very very focused game face kind of guy yeah but there is a side of him that's the complete opposite that i think that he should probably you know he could he could definitely um show the fans more to give them an opportunity i guess to get to know him uh but i think uh, there's gonna be great things for eric jones in his future kyle larson as we talked about a while back. Points leader. Points leader. Dominating pretty much. No, I wait, mean, he's not leading. He's not Truex leading the, is leading the points. Oh, Truex is leading the points. But he dominates. I thought he was a points leader. I don't know. They're going back and forth. Back and forth. Um, he is dominating the series, doing you say? Yes. And Xfinity. He's and got Xfinity. three Xfinity wins. Yep. And as we talked about a while back, he is the last true racer. Um, Self-proclaimed last true racer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if you're a true race fan... This is this is the this true is racer the the tr- for the true race fan. Right, you just uh, he's put it run, together. He's running Cup. He's running Xfinity. I bet you he runs trucks. He'll run that Eldora 
race. He yep. runs sprint cars. He He's the modern day AJ Foyt, Tony Stewart. Yeah. I think he even raced with Carson at Millbridge a couple weeks ago. He raced, so. uh, he, that's what he grew up racing, I guess, was a mi- micro midgets or whatever they call it. Mini sprints, yeah, so whatever they call it. He legit runs everything and runs yeah. well and everything. My only thing about him is I think he's on the verge of um, being a little too good in Xfinity because he's still eligible to run like the Dash for Cash races. And so when he goes and beats up on the Xfinity guys in the Dash for Cash race, so like Kyle Busch and yep. Kevin Harvick can't run, then I'm like, eh. But he's an incredible racer, and it, I think it's cool that he's willing to go race anything, and he's good when he's doing all that. Yeah, I agree with all that. Kyle Larson. Um, he is, uh, I mean, these, this is a talented list. I mean, it, when you're talking about these drivers, I don't, they all, they don't really set each other. No one stands apart. And they're all in fast cars. In talent. Uh, Carl Larson is another incredibly skilled driver. Another guy with a great personality, really funny family man. Yep. Uh, squeaky clean. Doesn't get in trouble. Yeah. Races hard. Um, some people are thinking, you know, he's getting this. Uh, there's a little bit of chatter in the uh, media about whether he's aggressive enough or, you know, he's he finishes second a lot and why is he not winning more races. I think Truex thought he was aggressive on Sunday. He was racing pretty hard right. for the lead. Yeah. Trust me, Kyle Larson has uh, no problem putting the chrome horn to you. Yeah. Yeah. So – that guy there would be one I personally would be inclined to consider. Yeah. To pull for. I, I, and he's a guy we talked about. Not all of them would run, could run F1 or Indy yeah. 500s. He's the guy that could. He's the guy that could, for sure. And might. Very. Yeah. Well, I expect him to run the Indy 500 within five years. I wouldn't years. be surprised, especially being teamed up with Ganassi. Yeah. Ricky Stenhouse. Uh, I like Stenhouse because he has literally come from the bottom of the Xfinity series, his first year he was wrecking so much that they made him go work in the fab shop to fix his own cars. Yep. And then... He, I don't know that to be true. Is that true? Yeah. Whenever oh, him and uh, uh, Colin Braun were running yeah. the cars, they wrecked a lot. Um, So he worked his way up from that. Then he won two Xfinity championships. His first few years in Cup weren't the greatest. This year he start, he's run pretty well. Got Obviously, won, with Brian Patty. Brian Patty. Um, and then obviously he won the pole and the race at Talladega. So, yeah. And he's a little bit like Larson. He'll run the sprint cars and the chili bowl and stuff like yeah. that. So he's another guy that's running different disciplines of racing. I agree. Ricky Stenhouse, fun guy, good friend, great personality. He's a really, he's a, he's a hard, he's a hard racer. Like when he's on the racetrack, he races very, he doesn't race aggressive or silly or over the over his head, but he'll run you hard. Uh, and now he's in a pretty good situation where his cars have good speed, and uh, he's he's uh, having his best year to date, I think, in the series. He'd be a good guy to that I think is going to be around for a while and going to continue to get better. Um, Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez. So he seems to. I don't know Daniel. But he seems like he's got a pretty cool, fun personality. Yep. Um, obviously, he won the Xfinity Championship last year. And then I like that he's teamed with Gibbs. He's with the team that Carl almost won the championship with last year. So, plus, obviously, 
he's um he can appeal to a different fan base yeah. in Mexico. So I think that's good for the sport as a whole. I don't know that everyone's going to care about that, but I think that yeah. he he can reach different people that Ricky Stenhouse might not reach. Yeah. So there's one thing that I like about the Daniel Suarez being part of the series and being good and talented. So NASCAR's always kind of been an American sport with American drivers. Uh, we've had a couple guys come in, Juan Pablo, uh, that are international talents. Uh, but we haven't really kind of broken through that barrier and became a global sport, much like F1 is. And I think that that is the logical progression for NASCAR. At, at some point, you want it to become a sport that goes and races in Mexico, Brazil, Canada, even overseas. Right. We had to, you know, we tried to kind of crack that mold, uh, break through that barrier when we were going to Japan and racing. That was the whole purpose of going over there was to try to create some interest globally outside of the United States in the sport. Um, that was a huge undertaking for the teams and the sport to, to go over there. And that was the reason for those efforts. So having drivers in the sport that are at, born outside of America and, and I think increases that our ability to be an appealing sport globally. Right, because it's a natural connection. Yeah. So, and I mean, Daniel, he is a great guy. I've had a lot, I've had a lot of interaction with him, uh, trying to get to know him. And he's super nice, man. Really cool. Uh, so he's a guy that I personally pull for. Yeah, and he's starting to run pretty well. Yeah. He finished fifth or sixth the other day. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Johnson. All right, so Jimmy's on this list. So far we've been talking about young guys. But maybe you don't want a young guy. Maybe you want a veteran. Maybe you want to go from from veteran to veteran. Yeah. You want a guy that's established. We're going to name off some people that are pretty – it's obvious that these are – you know, talented guys with great track records. Maybe they appreciate how good of a teammate Jimmy has been to you. Right. So Jimmy Johnson, a veteran driver. Uh, obviously, you're going to be able to get a guy that's winning races now and championships. And championships. If you've if you're if you've become an admirer of what he's accomplished, tying Kelly Yarbrough and wins seven-time champion, tying my dad and Richard Petty. Uh, he's all-American. Great personality. Family man. Family man. Uh, not afraid to get his hands dirty. Uh, just all-around cool guy. Yeah. So he's an obvious choice for for the good guy. Yep. And then the good cop, bad cop. That's what we're going to play here. So then you got Kyle Busch. He's kind of the he's, – he's he wears the black hat. He wins a lot of races too. Wins a lot of races. He creates uh, a little controversy here and there. Not liked by everyone, but he does have a rabid core fan base. Yep. He does drive the candy car. Yeah. A lot of, lot of young fans like Kyle Busch just because he drives the candy car. Right. So, and I do like uh, M&M's myself. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh, Kyle is going to keep it interesting. Yeah. You're going to be entertained. Yeah, so, and he said last week that he – he ain't changing. He ain't changing, <laughs> which is, I think, good for the sport. I do, too. You got to have good personalities. So we got Jimmy on one end of the spectrum, Kyle on the other. Um, those, are two, those are two guys that are obvious choices if you want to go with winners winning now. And then another guy you could go with winning now, 
is your good friend Martin Truex. Yep. So he's already won twice this year, four times last year. He's with that Furniture Row 78 team, yep. which is fast every single week. So Martin Truex Jr. is a neat choice because it's unorthodox. They are a team up in Denver, Colorado. So it, it, for the longest time in the sport, if you weren't in Charlotte, you were an outsider that nobody really uh, – I mean, the only team, I guess, that was – if it was almost uh, impressive that – RCR was as good as they were way up in Welcome, North Carolina. Yeah. You know, so if you were outside of this little bubble, industry bubble down here in North Carolina, people didn't take you seriously at all because you couldn't get the good, you couldn't get all the, you couldn't get any of the good help. Nobody wanted to move outside of this industry. If if they felt like if they went outside this industry, they would lose connection, opportunity to mm-hmm. continue to grow up, uh, grow and and get promoted. Uh, so nobody ever took that team seriously, the Furniture Row team. Now, they're one of the best teams in the in the sport. Yeah, doing it all the way up there in Colorado. Yeah, uh, per- a, it's a three hour flight. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know how long the drive. It's is. impressive, man. And yeah. now they're a two car team with Eric Jones. And that car, both of those cars are fast. Mark so. Trex Jr. is a out- outdoorsman, avid hunter. A lot of race fans connect to that. Super nice guy. All the stuff that him and Sherry do for charity. Incredibly, yeah, incredible uh, charitable work outside the race car. Uh, he is a junior. Yeah, can't uh, beat that. Came from a family of racers. Great, great story there. And he kind of went through. He's always been fast, but then he went through that little phase where he'd be leading a race, dominating a race, and something dumb would happen. So it's awesome to see him. Now he's able to win these races and not have a loose wheel or this or that happen at the end of these races. So I would Martin's a good guy to pick. I do. I think that's right. All right, we got one dark horse. So that's our list of drivers that we were going to talk about. We got one little dark horse guy. Now, if you like, uh, if you want to start with a guy who's not really established just yet. Now we've named a lot of people that are pretty, in pretty yeah. good positions with teams so forth. So if you want us to pick a guy that I think is just as talented as these guys, but you kind of want to work the work your way up with him. Yeah. Uh, Chris Busher. Yep. I think that Chris uh, did an amazing job in the Xfinity series, outran our, our cars and yep. the Roush stuff, which <clears throat> nothing gets Roush, but I, I thought he did an amazing job. Yep. I think he really does a good job in the car he's in now. It's a brand new team. It's not one of the more – uh, higher funded operations, and I think he gets quite a bit out of that race car. I think, and I think he's the better of those two cars. Yeah. So you're gonna hurt AJ Almendinger. I didn't feelings. say who drove the other car. Okay. Oh my. But gosh. he's gonna figure that out. Oh my gosh. I just don't know why you want to do Doing that. Doing some subtle math here. Wait. Well, who drives the other car? Knowing AJ, he's gonna take some offenses. I like AJ said. too. We can throw him in as another dark horse. Whoa! whoa. Now you're trying to <laughs> dig yourself out of this hole. We only have one dark horse. Okay. So, Busher is your dark horse. He, uh, I think he'll. I think he's gonna. What I'm doing here is I'm trying to set you up with a guy that I think is gonna make it, and you can go on that ride with him. Yeah. And plus, All right. He's. He could probably work on his own cars. He's kind of yeah. seems like an old school kind of kind of guy. His family's got some history. And then there's one driver, one driver that we haven't mentioned yet. Whoever drives the 88 car next yeah. year, hell, it could be one of those guys we already talked about. Yeah, but whoever, we're just gonna say, 
You could you could pull for whoever gets in that car. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to be the natural selection. I can't wait. I'm excited for them to to figure all that out, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Who's going to be that guy? Yeah. They so should you, announce it that, on this show. Whoever that Yeah, they should. We should be the ones to announce it right here. <laughs> but but yeah. the, you can pull for whoever that guy is. Yeah. So that's like we're giving you a little mystery. Like a I think that's who I'll pull for just because of uh, like the, the prize in the Cracker Jack box. Yeah, that'll probably this will be the. You can take these ten drivers or whatever's behind door number three. Yeah, just take the surprise. Yeah. All right. Well, there's your list. I'm sure there's a lot of guys on there that we, you know, a lot of guys that didn't make this list that that are that you know probably should be on it. Tweet us and let us know if you're leaning toward any of these particular drivers. Also, give us an explanation yeah. as to why. Use the hashtag DJD. We would love to hear what you guys are thinking about yeah. this. I'm very interested to hear the fans' feedback. Who are you leaning toward? Probably the 88. Okay, you're going to take the mystery driver. Because I, I know the team guys, yeah. so I want to still support them. Yeah. I'm going to pull for True X. Always have. And Kyle Larson will. and Chase Elliott. And Daniel Suarez. <laughs> I'm going to – yeah, it's tough. I don't know who after that. I probably probably can't make that decision until I – Are you going to be the guy that wears one driver's T-shirt and another guy's hat? Mm. Do people do that? Yeah, I, I saw a guy the other day, did Casey yeah. Kane and Kyle Busch. It was a weird combo. Yeah. I saw somebody in Charlotte who had a uh, Stenhouse uh, hat and shirt on. Went up and talked to him. They said to the they said they're just a Ford fan, so they were going to be Keselowski t- the next day. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, there's a couple other things I wanted to talk about before we got to our uh, Ask Junior. <clears throat> so they had Gordon Ramsay at the race. Yeah. So yeah, what do you think about old Gordon being there? Um, what I thought about Gordon is I was trying to move the rental car outside the track, and him <laughs> and his posse were walking in the middle of the road in the bus lot, and I wasn't a fan of that. No. They they didn't even bother to step to the left or right or anything yep. disrespectful so somebody had the bright idea at nascar to give him the strange witch shocker and let him talk a bunch of trash about it yeah yeah thanks nascar appreciate it nascar smart move all right gordon ramsay yeah i'm not sure about that guy yeah yeah not sure whether I'm a fan or not. Do you want to read his quote about what he said about I the I read Senate? it this morning. Yeah. Pretty pissed off about it. You know, I did get an email from Myron Mixon that said he's full of shit. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And I agree with Myron. Yeah. About He's just, Myron's just, you know, Myron's like, hey, I grew up on those sandwiches right. as well. I mean, I wasn't surprised that Gordon Ramsay wasn't a fan. Yeah. But damn, you don't have to bash the sandwich. Yeah. Cursing and stuff about it. Uh, Also... Let's see. We were watching the Xfinity race, the stages. Yeah. Okay. So we wanted to talk about. And I, this is basically. I'm just wanting to ask the fans what they think uh, about this. So guys, late in these stages, guys are staying. Uh, guys, some guys stay out to get the stage points, but they know that it's going to hurt their opportunity to win the race. One example, I guess, would be Bubba Wallace. Um. I wouldn't say Bubba Wallace. I would say William Byron, our guy at Texas, he stayed a couple of leaders that came into pit with probably five laps yeah. to go in but a stage. That's one of like Bubba did that too. All these guys pitted. Well Bubba was trying I mean All these guys pitted late in the this is the point. All these guys pitted late in late in the stage. 
others stay out to try to get the bonus points for the stage. But they knowingly make winning the race more challenging or harder to do. Right. So the guys that pit with five laps to go in the stage or ten laps to go in the stage, they're the ones that cycle toward the front when the stage ends and everyone else comes to pit road. And now a guy that just won the stage is sitting, you know, outside the top five and track position was so critical at Dover and they didn't get back toward the front. Really only Larson and Blaney were able to drive up cars. through there. But but yeah, so you're basically so This is like a new phenomenon in racing due to the stages. Yeah, so you're pretty much foregoing your actual finish to get more points. So hoping that you're still hoping that somehow or another you get the finish you want. Right. You're but still hoping for that, but you're going to take your <laughs> It's not working out for a lot of these guys. Yeah, you're taking your 7, 8, 9, 10 points in stage 2 and giving up a couple in stage 3 in the final. Yeah, result. so if I'm a fan I don't want my guy to finish second in stage two. Be like, well, yeah, we're second at lap one hundred, and then, at, but at lap two hundred, when the checkered, the actual checkered flag finishes, yeah. we're ninth, yeah. and be happy about it. I mean, regardless of what the, you may the points may net out about the same, but if I'm a fan, I'm not happy that my guy is. Who's your favorite baseball team? The Red Sox. So the Red Sox. Score five run, uh, five runs in the sixth inning. Yeah, like nope, we're but, and we're rallying, we're having but, a good time but in the fourth knowingly inning. Knowingly, lose the game. Yeah, you still lose nine to five. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, you just remember that good time you had in the fourth. Well, you had inning. a great inning. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you fix that. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know whether it's wrong. We're gonna ask the fans to let us know how you feel about how these stages are affecting strategy. Yeah, may, I mean, the only only way around it maybe is that you don't give out the ten points from first to tenth in the stages. Yeah, like well, you would why just are get, you having the stages. You, well, you would just have this the like playoff point, oh. like a stage win. So winning would be the only thing that matters. Yeah, um, that might would be the only way to fix that. But then that would go away from rewarding points as you go. Which is just which was part of their messaging. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's yeah. I mean, I don't hate a lot of people hate the stages or think they hate the stages. I like it. I think yeah. I like the stages. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Or I don't not. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know whether I really like it, but I don't not. I don't. I don't find any fault in it, or yeah, it doesn't. It's just an interesting strategy. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm a little. Interested though, as far as far as how the fans really feel about it, I don't think that the fan. I've not really heard a fan opinion, a broad opinion on, on how the stages feel at this particular point in the season. Right. Like They're, I've heard. Oh, I don't like them, but why? You can't give me like a valid reason. Yeah. Get, yeah. You don't. You don't like the five minute break that lets you go to the bathroom. Do the do your best to try to give us a good valid reason on why you do like the stages or don't like the stages. Really, more about why how it affects the strategy with these guys pitting before the end of the stage and so forth, and how that, that cycles the field around a little bit. Uh, let us know. Obviously, hashtag DJD. Um, also, uh, after the race, we talked a little bit in a periscope, did a pre post-race periscope, which um, we've been doing every week. Um, we talked about the green-white checkered overtime line. So this has gotten a lot of play in the media as well. I read an article or they had Jeff Burton and Dale Jarrett talking about it on yeah. on the TV show last night. 
Um, basically, when I'm doing the Periscope, the fans are just throwing up ideas of things to talk about. Somebody said over timeline. I'm like, okay, yeah, over timeline. I was a part of uh, the discussion to create the over timeline. And what my initial idea to NASCAR was we were trying to fix what happened with Austin Dillon at Daytona when he flipped into the grandstands. I said, you need an overtime line at Daytona and Talladega. Put it on the backstretch. If we cross that line and the caution comes out, the race is over. If we don't uh, cross that line and the caution comes out, we have another green-white checker. This was a bit of a combination of trying to fix what happened with Austin wrecking at the start-finish line in front of the grandstands and what happened to us at Talladega with uh, Logano winning the race yeah. as the caution came out right after we got the green. So, my opinion was try to fix Talladega and Daytona. I really didn't think or asked or proposed that they change anything at any other tracks where we continued to do, what, three attempts? We had a we had a, originally yeah. a three-attempt yeah. rule at Green-White Checkers. What I was trying to say in the Periscope is that I think – that they should, they could, without much uh, complaint at all, go back to unlimited or three attempts or whatever green-white checkers at all the other racetracks so that we finish under green, but knowingly have to do something different at Daytona and Talladega. If you can't break up the pack racing, which is really dangerous yeah. for a green-white checkered, then you got to do something to keep it safe. At Daytona and Talladega. So, I and I probably shouldn't have said crap because I don't want to take, I don't want it, I, that really I don't, the discussion doesn't have anything to do with Jimmy winning that race. Uh, it doesn't, it, I've never been a, it, I don't see where the green, I don't see where the overtime line has benefited or not benefited me. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Uh, it was I, a little weird. I, I was confused because I knew y'all were all the way to turn three when the caution came out. Yeah. And then, like, somebody was griping about, oh, they didn't pass the overtime line. Yeah. And The other thing, too, is is we sit – I sit in the driver's meeting every week, and we watch a video that explains this overtime line over and over and over. And every time I, watch, every time I hear that video, the, my initial thought is – we are we overcomplicate things in the sport, and the sport should be as easy and simple as we can make it. Yeah. Straightforward. Show up, qualify, green flag, race, checkered, winner, go home. And when I it's weekend, week after week after week of watching this video has, I've ne I just never I, I got a I got a bad taste in my mouth with that overtime line. I just can't love it. Yeah, I think I wish that if you get the white flag and then there's a wreck and they there's a need for the caution to come out, throw the caution, let the race be done. But if you take if you don't get to the white flag, then I think yeah. you should try again. I think yeah. So that that's kind of where that came from. Um they're not going to change it. I probably uh I was just babbling. Uh but yeah, I agree with Daytona, Talladega, and then the road courses. Those those could drag on forever if you don't get past green the, white checkers at road courses. Yeah. Well, typically the road course is such a big track that somebody gets knocked off into the yeah. sand. They just let them let them sit there till the finish. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, that's really where all that came from. 
Um, the other thing too is uh, talk about you know how how big a deal. I think I don't know. I mean, we did uh, so. Jimmy Johnson ties Kelly Yarbrough. He wins one more race. He's going to tie Daryl and Bobby Allison for uh, what fourth last time. <clears throat> Something like that? I think, yeah, he's tied for six with Kale. Yeah. Um, more, not, more than likely, he's going to get that 84th win. And he wore a Kale Yarbrough helmet as a foreshadowing of events. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, he wore the seven-time helmet last year with your dad and uh, Richard Petty. Yeah. So before the re- Before he won the seventh championship. He wore it for the seven, yeah, for the Homestead race. Oh wow! Yeah, he. You think that he wears those helmets as like a um, motivation or motivation? Something? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to wear it and then not win because yeah. it, then it's like, oh, well, that's weird. Yeah. Well, I think um, I he showed me the helmet. Yeah. During uh, I think it was on Saturday, and then I didn't, but I didn't know he wore it in the race because after the race, he's like. Uh, he we're just he I was like he's like good run I was like yeah awesome job man tying kale and I said you get that helmet out now because I thought he would win the race then wear the helmet like oh, hey yeah. kale you're the man yeah. I tied you but I, then I saw the pictures of him wearing it and I was like oh I didn't know he wore it <laughs> in the race <laughs> okay but that's just boss man yeah. I mean I'm gonna win this race so yeah. I'm wearing this helmet today. Yeah. He's pretty good at Dover, so he probably had a, a clue. But yeah, I wonder how long he would have worn it. Like every if he, week. Yeah, just what if he had never worn again? He'd just wear this Kelly Arbor helmet for the yeah. rest of his career. I guess now though he's going to have a Daryl and Bobby helmet. Yeah, like a one on one side, yeah. one on the other. Pretty cool. You think somebody someday somebody's going to be wearing a Jimmy Johnson helmet? Yeah. Whenever they're trying to tie him. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard if to it's fathom. Possible. Yeah, it's hard to fathom how awesome he is because you're like living, living it. it. Yeah, so in like 20 years, people will be like, "Wow!" I know. I was saying I was saying the same thing when he won five championships in a row. I could not believe there wasn't more like heads exploding. Yeah, because five in a row. I just don't think, like you say. I mean, it'll be 50 years before we look back and go, "Holy cow!" Yeah, that is incredible, and I it's it is a bit. I don't know. If frustrating is the right word that we don't celebrate it enough while Jimmy is doing it, so he he in turn can enjoy that, credi- yeah. that that credibility or acknowledgement because he deserves it. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. He actually uh, got a hold of Kale. I saw where he tweeted where he tra- uh, tracked down Kale's n- number and talked to him. Said that was a blast. That's cool. Uh, he grew up a Kale fan watching on the West Coast. I told him, I was like, I was equally a Kale fan as well. And he said, we didn't get a lot of coverage of NASCAR where I was at, but I would fire up the TV to watch the 28 car run. Did you see him rocking that 28 Hardy's hat? I like it. Good retro hat. Also, one last thing before we get to the Ask, uh, Ask Junior is the basketball game. Last Hell night, yeah. we had a legendary basketball game. And Mike Davis can come on in because he's part of the team. So the DNBL is the Dirty Mo Basketball League. We started it about what five years ago, six years ago, maybe more. I think. I think it was twenty ten. I, I think we're in year seven. Okay. Yeah, we took a year off. It's thirty five guys, uh, five teams. You got seven guys on each team. We play three on three. Half court. Half court. 
Um, it's a freaking blast. Yeah. We all have jerseys. We got a trophy that we uh, keep uh, passing around each season. A big one. Big trophy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just great. We have – and it's pretty much the same core guys, but every once in a while we get a couple guys that leave and a couple new guys come in. It's mostly my friends, your friends, employees at Junior Motorsports. And we had a hell of a game last night. <laughs> we were gonna we were playing against uh, the Cleveland or no, the, we no, are. the no we're the Cleveland Convicts. Yeah, we, we were playing against the Statesville Steamers. Yeah, and on the Steamers team is Ryan Blaney, Tony Mayoff, Travis Peterson, Travis who's Peterson. the engineer on the eighty-eight. Which Tony is probably six four, six five. Peterson's probably 6'3", six, 6'4", six, so they got some the big guys. The captain of this team is Regan Smith. Yeah. When they finish, when we finish the draft, which we have a live draft with beer and pizza, and when we finished the draft, everybody was like, oh, that's the team. Right? And they were undefeated until last night. And I drafted, I'm the captain of our team, and I drafted all you guys because I was looking at last year's stats, and y'all were all the top scorers, the top shooters. We're a team of shooters. And damn if we didn't do it. Yeah. No thanks to me. I fouled out. Yeah. Tyler fouled Tyler out. Tyler set a Dirty Mo Basketball League record with the earliest foul out. Like, we yeah. just started the second half. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, we weren't two or three minutes into the second I half. I couldn't believe and it. And Tyler fouled out. Yep. I couldn't believe it. So that left it. us with five guys. Yep. And, and Tyler is our second tallest guy. So we really, we start off small. He fouls out. You were left with the band of misfits here. And we took down the Giants. We did. I was that was so much fun. Yeah. But wait, wait, wait. I, I want to give credit where credit is due here. Who was your game ball go to, Tyler? Game ball? Yeah. If we were giving out the, you know, the game ball. Uh, he's gonna have a hard time with this one. Well, he shouldn't be because <laughs> this is pretty easy. Would it go to Dale? You dang straight, it would go to Dale. I, I dropped him a dime one time, and he made the the shot. I was very like I, 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 was, I, I was very surprised. I'm not just saying this. I felt like that was the difference because we rotate out. Yeah, you know, and put in in the other three. I mean, like you know, I'm coach two. here. Coach Earnhardt yeah. calls out. You know, calls out the team. Puts in the three, and like he put in like six points. Like bam, bam, bam. Yeah. You know, and which is unprecedented. Well, I'll yes. let him speak to that. I don't want to be the one to say that. I hadn't scored all. We've had, what, this is our third game? Yeah. And I hadn't scored yet, so. <laughs> but you came in and just. And he came in, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like he's Steph Curry. But even on the on the I, court, it was very impressive. And I played up to the competition, man. I showed out. But, yeah, your, your coaching a, strategy was all good. Was it? Yeah. yeah. It was like you had planned it. Well, we talked a lot about playing Tony and how trying to beat Tony. Yeah. That's right. funny. You can, we can see, all right, to give everyone a, an idea of what we felt the disadvantage was is we did not try to think X's and O's against this team. We started trying to think of psychological warfare. Like, yeah. that was our best chance. Dale, get in his head. Yeah. Like, start talking smack. Really, like, you know, tell him, don't forget who your boss is. Like, right, right when you're d him up or, you know, you're one more foul and you're fired, you know, or something like that. <laughs> Just mess with his career yeah. in the game, and we, we didn't even have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Was, I couldn't believe it. Well, we still did. Did you? I heckled him hard in the third and fourth quarter. Oh, when see, they, I didn't know that. When they got when they got back to around five points, three points, I was like, every time on. he had the ball, I'm like, what's that tattoo say? Because <laughs> <laughs> he has this little, you know, literature on his inner, yeah, inner uh, bicep, and I'm like. 
that's just, not English. Yeah, I don't right. know. I'm it's, just it's, trying. it's something, yeah. yeah. It's not English? I don't think so. Oh. It was pretty fun, though. But, Good. yeah, it was a great victory. And then you Instagrammed TJ Majors. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Let's talk about that real quick. Real quick. <laughs> so the second game was TJ Majors. Uh, his team is the Hog Legs. Hog Legs. A- against uh, – I, I the Cougars. can't remember who's on the Cougars. But, uh, Greg Ives. But, but Yeah, Greg Ives it was the Cougars. It was a really good game as well, and it came down to a last-second shot. And, of course, TJ's calling for the ball, which was a bad mistake, really, yep. to begin with. But then what happens? He, um, <laughs> I was videotaping it because I was hoping something good would happen. One second left on the clock. And this is the second last – this is the second, like, play they've called. Yeah, with seconds left in the game. All right, so okay, they got. Like, That's right. That's right. Now let's back, let's backtrack a little bit before. If you've watched that video on Instagram, of TJ taking the shot. Right before that, they had a timeout with like five seconds left or something. They go over there to drop a play. We're like, hmm, what kind of play are they gonna drop? TJ is not the best player on that team. Right. And they were down by one point. Yep. They were only down by one. Sure enough, they pass the ball in, set a few picks, t- throw it to TJ, and he throws up a three that misses. They got the rebound, called a timeout. One second left. All right. TJ gets him back over there again. He's not even the captain, I don't believe. Martin Friedrich is. They go over there to drop another play. What is it? Same play. <laughs> TJ called Pass the ball, ball in, set a pick, <laughs> t- get the ball to TJ, and he had Brick. this, like, double hesitation. He traveled. He traveled, first of all. But, oh, my gosh, if the ref would have called the travel right there and not even let him shoot. <laughs> I would have hoisted the referee on my shoulders and carried him wherever he wanted to go Golly. if he would have called a travel on TJ. Because TJ, if anybody knows TJ Majors, he argues with the ref yeah. every time he touches the ball. Like, like, he is the most oppressed person on the court all the time. And so – but he also is always guilty. Like, yeah. whatever the ref calls, he's never, like, out to get TJ. TJ travels with the ball. You could have packed a suitcase for him. And they didn't call it. He fires up a brick. TJ, in, in hindsight, probably wished they would have called travel because that then he wouldn't have got that shot off, which was horrendous. Yes. We ha- I think it we may, have it. It from, goes down in Instagram infamy there. We have it from multiple angles. I think Adam's uh, wife got it from the, yep. the back in slow, slow motion. <laughs> That was so good. I wouldn't have posted it, but it was a, he he asked for the ball in two consecutive plays right. to win the game, and he it, having Stefan on their team, which is he's such a great player. Steph could have drove and won the game. Could have won the game. They were only down by one. They didn't yeah. need a three pointer. And so, TJ fired up two threes, uh, and he was like four feet behind the arc when he Way shot. <laughs> Steph yeah. Curry, man, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to get to our Ask Junior questions. As always, send us your questions using the hashtag Ask Junior. Uh, we've, we're joined by Mike Davis. Obviously, he's our moderator. Uh, he'll fire off the questions to Dale. I'll offer some meaningless insight as well. So let's get to it. Some of these questions might be for you, Tyler. Oh, gosh. You never know. Uh, but not this one. Yeah. I like this question. Just Move 54 just asked, why is it so difficult, Dale, to drive another driver's setup? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, some guys like, uh, let me try to figure this out. Some guys like different sensations when they drive a car. Uh, some guys like to drive cars loose. Some guys like to drive cars tight. Jeff Gordon, 
Entering the turn, he wants to be able to tug on the wheel. He wants there to be some feedback as he's turning. Um, so that was one thing that they would kind of build into the car to give him that with the steering box and so forth. So guys like different sensations. And the, uh, you know, like I've always liked a car with a real high track bar and a lot of wedge in it. Maybe Jimmy or someone else likes cars or traditionally likes setups that are built around the track bar being low and the wedge being out of the car. Um, that Those combinations of of those two adjustments kind of work in sync with each other. Uh, that's just kind of how it is. I don't know. I, um, you know, I, I've, we've been to racetracks where one team's running us, running one type of spring in the front. I'll, I'll put it in my car and it, and not like it and change to a completely different setup and go just as fast and drive, in my opinion, way better. Um, there's a lot of things too that make it difficult to compare setups because I, we set the front end geo on our car up differently than maybe the 24 does. All the front slugs, the, uh, the push up and pull up and, uh, the geometry in the, in the uppers and lowers, the toe is different. Uh, the bump steer is different. A lot of that stuff in the front end and how the front end works, you can't really replicate from car to car. So that that also dictates really what kind of springs and shocks you're going to run. So there's a lot of different things going on there that even though you might say, uh, I'm going I'm I'm to take all these Xfinity cars here at Junior Motorsports and we're going to put the same setup in all of them. They're not identical. You can put the same spring shocks, sway bars, and track bar settings, but they're still not carbon copies because you got to look at the, where they are on their geometry, all their front suspension settings, how how do they have the rear end in the car. There's a lot of things that will dictate how the car is going to drive, aside from the standard things like shock springs. Are there tracks where it's like your setup is completely different and then tracks where they're probably more similar. So like a flat track, it might be similar. And a no, not really. We go to. I mean, here lately we've been leaning on Jimmy. So we go, we put, we kind of start together, and then as the weekend goes, we kind of, you know, each of us tries little things that we, that we personally like, and uh, we may end up with one, you know, maybe a different right rear spring, or maybe I like the front, uh, smaller front bar. Maybe he liked, uh, you know, move, you know, the track bar higher on the right side by an inch. You know, little things like that. Yeah. But uh, for, for the most part, the theories are similar. I got you. <laughs> I'm cracking up at some of these comments. There's and a lot of good comments right now. And they're, you've been invited on a couple fishing trips already. Oh. Yeah. So uh, just for? FY. Uh, listen. How, why fishing trips? Retired. I, I don't know. There must be a lot of fishermen on this. That's what uh, retired podcast. people do. Mm. Is that it? Golden well, years. Right. He did a commercial about yeah. it. That's right. Can't be doing commercials now. Let's see here. Mike Belcher, 85, would you ever host SNL, especially once your schedule opens up next year? You know, I, I would um, – I probably won't get that invite. Uh, that time has came and went. Uh, if I was ever going to get an invite to do SNL, it would probably have been after we won a Daytona 500. 
You have been invited to do SNL, I think, I, if think I remember back not, in the Bud days. Yeah, back when we won our first Daytona 500, I believe there was an opportunity That's or right. a window of opportunity to do it. Um, but I probably would not host SNL. Why not? I, I just, I mean, I don't know. Sure, I'd do it. You want me to do it? <laughs> just like that. Tyler asked <laughs> why not, and all of a sudden he flips 180. Yeah, that's all it takes. I'd probably do it. I, I don't know. Of course you'd do it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> See what we do around here? <laughs> it didn't take much persuasion. I I I he, he would be very nervous about it. I don't yeah, want I to. I, don't, I mean, I, yeah, I just don't want to uh, make people think that, um, you know, I, I would. I don't want people to think that I'm like, you know, waiting on that SNL invite. Right. Right. You don't want this to Ain't actually it? be your backdoor way of it. Trying to get on SNL right no, now. Yeah. Right. Wink, wink, nod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, I, I saw a question here. Hold on one second. Okay, this is for both of you. But Dale, you start. What was your favorite car that your dad drove? Ooh man, uh, I always loved the '87 Monte Carlo yellow and blue Wrangler. '87 Monte Carlo. This is by J Rose. Either '86 or '87. They were kind of similar, but that I don't know. He always. Uh, you know, he just kicked their butt in that car. I liked the, uh, I think it was probably the first special car that he ever ran, the silver car. Yep. At the, I think that was the first. The all-star race? Yeah, the first all-star race I ever went to. Wow, I forgot but, about that one. That but that's good. a good-looking car. Yeah. Hmm. Did you ever just like the Lumina? Like, like I remember. I don't with, like the word Lumina. You didn't? Don't think it's a good name for a car. <laughs> Did you think that back when the Lumina was the car? Monte Carlo, though, I like is a good, cool name for a car. Yeah. Right, if you took Lumina out as far as the word goes, did you like the body style of the Lumina? Yes. Okay. All right. The well, yeah, I did. It was boxy. I liked the Lumina. I did not like the Monte Carlo that followed. The, the first the, Monte Carlo, the round one. Yeah, the round yeah. one. That's right. I remember that. Mike Grubb, eighty-three. I asked, think that, that I drove it as a, a rookie in '99. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of winning drivers destroying their cars during burnouts with shredded tires? Are they hiding something or are they just celebrating? Okay. <laughs> My opinion and theory is that um, it's possible and it's highly possible that if you if you destroy the tire to take the car, you have to put a tire on it. You have to put another tire on it. The car has to be jacked up. That's right. Does this not present opportunity for someone to take advantage of changing something, doing, you know, is it not open the window, I guess, of opportunity for teams in that situation? I would think yes. So All why right. not just say, hey, you blow the tire? That's how you got to yeah. go through tech. I've asked. Uh, oh, yeah. That's interesting. Just, yeah. If you want to blow it, then you're okay. going to fail. Yeah, terribly. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's what they should do. Why is there a reason you think they don't do that? I can't think of a good one. Oh, <laughs> I could think. Of, I could argue it. Yeah, for NASCAR, do it because you don't want to. You know, the, the burnouts fans look forward to a. Burnout. I don't have a problem with a burnout. I know, but but you right. can do those within reason. I of course I, you could. It, I look at. I mean, I look at... Um, but is it through the burnout where they typically ruin their car? Yeah. 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 But I look at doing... I don't... If I won a race, I would... Uh, I bur I blew a right rear tire, or I blew a tire burnt doing a burnout at Richmond. And I did it... It was like accidentally. 
uh, it popped, and it was like, oh, my sure God. Sure, it was <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> no, you well, started this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dale did it. <laughs> no, so sorry, I, I, am, I am aware that I have done it back in, like, 2006. But it's not, like... It's um, pretty common nowadays. It is common now. I compare it to um, smashing a guitar. Oof, I hate that. Mm-hmm. So like a rock and you know a yeah. mus- you know a rock star you know smashing a guitar. Some guys get off on it. Um, Kirk Cobain, he loved to tear up the amps and everything yeah. else, jump jump into drum sets and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So that's kind of what I I personally compare it to. Some guys are that excited and and just want to damn just tear something up. Yeah, but I do think. That it does present opportunity and open a open a bit of a Pandora's box with what what can happen. Right, and you have to put a tire on the car. The car has to get jacked up, um, and that kind of creates some doubt. I, like if something's fishy. right. I mean, if you okay, say you don't tire, say you don't blow out the tire. Are you going to allow teams to jack the cars up? Yeah, and change tires before they go through tech. Then plus you could be like, oh well, it's it could be because of that damage. There aren't. They're not allowing guys to jack up the car yeah. and change tires and do all kinds of things yeah. in between winning the race and tech. They're not. Yeah. It the car the car does go to victory lane, um, but they don't allow the car to go get you know its oil changed and. Right. <laughs> so know. yeah, they should just. They gotta. They you gotta, blow it, you go to tech like it, that. It does make the inspection process a little shady, so I think that they. NASCAR should step in and make a make a change there. All right, because we're not scared of taking tough questions, right? <laughs> Obviously not. Right. <laughs> Kelly Pedrick Carlton on Facebook just asked, I was at Dover this weekend. I'm just curious, what goes through your mind immediately when you hear that you've been caught speeding on pit road? Is it anger? Is it, no, I didn't? Is it disappointment? What what what's the first thought when you hear those words? Uh, uh, em- embarrassment, um, is one. So, so what? You remember when? Oh God. So, do you remember when this is random as hell, but I think it was uh remember Michigan was playing in the f- final four. Oh yeah, and he called the timeout. Called out. the timeout. Was that Weber? Yeah. Chris Weber. Chris Weber calls a timeout. What that's how you feel. Wow. That's got to be embarrassing. That is embarrassing. It's yeah. embarrassing. Wow. It's like a it's your fault. Yeah. Being part of the team and it's a little bit of a punch in the gut yeah. cuz you're like, "Oh man, when you're and you're when you're in a team activity, you don't want to be the guy that screwed it up for everybody else. And literally, with three laps to go in the race, I ruined an opportunity at a top five for everyone on the team that had worked the entire race listening to me cuss and cuss about that car. I mean, I made it about as miserable as I could for everybody that was involved. And then we get down there looking at a great opportunity to salvage an incredible finish considering how we ran and I blew it. So 
it's really embarrassing. Uh, there's no excuse. There's no, oh, well, this happened and that happened and darn it. You, you know, there's no... Especially when they tell you where you sped and you can be like, okay, oh, yeah. I know what... There's no hiding from it. Yeah. You know, there's no not owning that. Yeah. So that happens. Well, I mean, I'm over it today, yeah. but boy, it's tough right in the moment. Right. Yeah. 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 D Kessling 03 asks, would you, uh, would you come out of cup retirement to race Martinsville under the lights? So, Tyler, good good note here you have. The falls race starts at 3 p.m., so it will end under the lights. So, there, you're going to get your opportunity. So, you're going to get your opportunity, yeah. Or but, all right, but we'll, we'll, let's just erase that and just yeah. say, would Dale come out of his cup retirement to race Martinsville under the lights? I've retired, I'm retiring from full-time cup racing. So oh. What if they – Read make, into that as you will. What it's if, obviously – it's ob- I mean, every driver, myself included, that retires – is not completely shutting the door on ever racing a cup car again. Right. Jeff Gordon is the perfect no example. No one is. Yeah. I mean, every, I don't care what any driver says. The right opportunity comes along. They're going to do it. Yeah. So, um, I love racing at Martinsville. I don't know whether if I have the urge to drive and this, and it, you know, if the, there's a couple things got to line up there. I've got to have the want to do it. And the right opportunity has to present itself. It can't just be this kind of hope and a prayer. Right. We got a sponsor for one race. And a random team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a good situation. Typically, it's going to be in a a relief driver kind of role or opportunity like that where you know it's an established team. Right. And to be honest with you, I mean, it's not like you're going to be sitting around just waiting for the phone to ring. So if whatever your second career is beyond this year, you may or may not be able to. Yeah, you may, of course. You know. But so. I mean, as far as am I just like hell bent? No, I'm not ever driving race cars. I got, I'm going to have Xfinity races. I'm going to race Xfinity for Junior Motorsports as often as they need and, and whatever opportunities that presents. So if I'm doing that, why would I be – Yeah. Ignorant right and shut the door to right. any other opportunity. A truck race would be fun at night at Martinsville. Maybe I'll get a uh, phone call. There you go. D La Fave twenty two. It would asks, need to be a Chevy though. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, that that's true. Are you watching the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup Finals? If so, which teams are you cheering for? That's a good question. Actually, we're going to talk about uh, our plans for the rest of the week and looking ahead. But I guess we can go ahead and tell them we're going to the game three. In Cleveland, uh, we got an invite from Goodyear to go. Yeah. Uh, Goodyear is uh, a new partner with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. They're so, going to be on their jerseys next year. Right. So, so they invited us up to uh, the game, and, um, yeah, sounds like a great time. So me and Amy are going to go. I think Mike's coming. Yep. Um, that's uh, – I think that um, it's an opportunity to see – uh, some of the greatest players I think in the game ever. Yeah, this is a this is an incredible inc- final. Yeah, uh, even though the first two games have been decidedly won by the uh, the um, Warriors. Warriors, it's still good TV to be able to see that Warriors team and then to see LeBron on the same court. I'm curious. Is pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm, I've been to Hornets games, so I kind of have an idea of what watching the. A game live is like and 
people always say, like, man, you know, I'm watching races on TV, but you can't really get a sense of what the energy and the cars and the and the whole experience is like unless you see it live. I kind of I'm excited about the opportunity to see the finals in person. Yeah, I went and to see the, LeBron and see Curry and those guys play right there in front of me. I went to the Super Bowl last year and right. it's ramped up considerably, so I can only imagine right. with all those guys on the court. Um I don't you know, I'm a Hornets fan. I'm not gonna wear my Hornets gear uh to the game. <laughs> but um <laughs> But if you did that would oh. be priceless. <laughs> <laughs> wear like a throwback starter yeah. jacket. Heck yeah. Um I like to watch uh I want to see LeBron in person just to say I saw him because I think he's going to be a guy that you know people talk about for many generations. Um and Curry, you know, he's a uh, he grew up around here, played at Davidson. Uh he's incredible. Uh, so to see him live is going to be a lot of fun too. But I don't know exactly who I'm pulling for. I know we've met LeBron James. Have you met Steph Curry? I did. Yes, you did. When? Bristol. He was at Bristol probably five, six years ago. Really? And he came to our car. Okay. Yeah. Left a big impression on you. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. awesome. I don't remember that. Yeah, it happened. Wow. I bet there's even a picture glad, of it. I'm glad Mike <laughs> filled you in on this so yeah. that if LeBron sees you tomorrow, he's not like, hey, remember that time? Yeah, if you see LeBron, <laughs> Mark, say, good to see you again, LeBron. <laughs> I doubt I get the chance to meet the players. That would be cool. They they did. Yeah, I doubt that will happen. Also, they did say, if depending on what time we get there, that you would have the chance to go on the floor to watch them warm up, um, you know, and awesome. kind of just from I'm the excited about it. To see how they compare to the DMBL. I just want to be there. Man. It's right. be like, 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 let's compare the Cleveland Cavs versus the Cleveland Convicts <laughs> and see which yeah. one is better. <laughs> the Cleveland Convicts, just so we're all clear, is that that's after Cleveland, North Carolina. We're not yeah. trying to emulate the Cleveland Cavs. Yeah. Uh, we do often emulate them. Ask Steph Curry about that free throw contest. Yeah, Tyler so, beat Steph Curry in a free throw contest. Yeah, when I was 10. They but, both went to the same happened. basketball camp. Yeah. At North Carolina, Chapel and Hill. And he beat him in a contest. Yeah. I you swear. didn't know that, Mike? I did not. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking here. Yeah. I, I like. I thought we talked about that in front yeah. of you. Yeah. So they divide you up in like by age. And so we were both in the 10-year-old deal. And there's probably <laughs> 60 kids in there. And somehow I won. And you got a free wow. pair of shoes. He His career has taken off. Mine has <laughs> <laughs> What happened, has right? You're off. still yeah. one hell of a perimeter shooter, buddy. Yeah. You are. Yeah, when you don't foul out. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not good at defense, so there's the fouls. All right, there's two, two questions we got here left. Um, Fishing on 101 asks, over the years, which body style of cup cars did you like running the most? That's a good question. Uh, I liked um, I liked the ones that we have now. I think these cars look really cool. Um, aside from that, Probably, I thought, and I'm, I wasn't really crazy about um, the 2000, 2001 Chevys. They had that mm -hmm. funny rear spoiler that was kind of a wavy-looking yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was ugly. Plus, the front was the, kind of oh, like a... The whole car yeah. was just awful-looking. The COT was terrible. Uh, I'm going to go 98-99 Xfinity cars. Okay. I liked like the 2005, 2006 cup cars, mm -hmm. the ones that are all twisted up. I thought they looked cool. Yeah, 04, yeah. Yeah. 05. 
Last question, D. Gibson, 44, asks, do you think Pocono will still be a fuel mileage strategy race even with the stages in place? I mean, you're going to see a little bit of everything, just like we um, talked about. I think this is going to be like our discussion about the Dover strategies. This might be where it comes in. Yeah. Because track position is so big. At it's going to be interesting at places like Pocono and Indy where you – at Indy for sure where you can pit without getting lapped. Yeah. Uh, what will guys do? Will they pit – you know, will they got a lot of guys – pit before the stage ends the gibbs guys did that at uh talladega yeah to and it helped them for the next stage so it'll be interesting to see i think this is uh you know this is developing story yeah we'll see thanks everyone for asking your questions keep them coming to use hashtag ask junior yeah we do this every week next week i think we're actually going to be taping on Monday. Monday. Monday, right. yes. Right. Yeah, don't come out here to the Junior Sports next week. We won't be here. Not, don't come on Tuesday. You can come on Monday afternoon. What time? 3 o'clock. All right. There you go. Thanks, guys. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. All right, looking ahead, we – uh Talked about the NBA Finals Game 3, Warriors versus the Cavaliers in Cleveland. Thanks to Goodyear, we'll be going to that. Um, Friday, we have practice and qualifying. Qualifying's at 4.15 Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Saturday, we have practice and Xfinity race. Xfinity race is at 1 o'clock on Fox. That's where all the drivers are doing the broadcast. Yeah. So it should be interesting. I know, that'll be fun. Sunday, the race is at 3 p.m. 3? 3 p.m. Eastern. Goodness what? gracious. What is that? Goodness. Hopefully there's no rain. Don't forget, it's not at a normal, reasonable time. It's going to be at 3 o'clock. Fox Sports 1 is covering the So race. you can you can have your dinner with this race. I cannot be more uh, upset or disappointed that we're starting these races so late. I think the rest of the year they either start at 2 or 3. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, man. I hate it for like... The guys in the shop are going to get home at midnight from yeah. a Pocono race, yeah. which is stupid, but <sighs> they didn't ask my opinion. So, yeah. The races should be after church. Yep. One o'clock. Yes. After church. Come home. <laughs> <laughs> God. All right. That's the show. I think it was a great show. I did too. Good job. Good effort here. You got it. Uh, enjoy it. Have a good week, folks, and we'll see you in Pocono.
Dale Jr. Download and all Dirty Mo Radio podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight programs on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo Radio podcast on DaleJr.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo Radio Facebook page. Today's theme song. Catholic Girls is by the Dangerous Summer, courtesy of Hopeless Records. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. 